This is Our People Podcast, telling the stories behind South Tyneside and Sunderland NHS Foundation Trust. Hello, I'm Fiona Thompson. I'm a communications officer with South Tyneside and Sunderland NHS Foundation Trust. Um, in this episode, we welcome uh, Amanda, our antenatal services manager, and Caroline of Down Syndrome Northeast. Um, the idea for this discussion came about because of a project that our organisations have both worked together on, uh, which has seen us take delivery of some uh, gift packs that we give to families. And they've already been handed out previously by the, the charity, so Caroline will speak about how they've already proved a bit of a hit with people who your charity works with. Uh, but Amanda, I don't know whether you can uh, start us off with explaining a little bit about your journey to your role so far and what it involves. Certainly. So I came into the NHS as a student nurse back in 1987 and worked briefly as a staff nurse but always had the vision that I wanted to be a midwife and back then there was no direct entry so my only role into being a midwife was to do nurse training first but I quickly went on to uh, train as a midwife in 1991 and then have worked in various um, hospitals Durham, Newcastle, and then finally settling within Sunderland. Um, I've worked within the hospital environment and community, and then have progressed um, up through the ranks, so to speak, and I'm now um, antenatal services manager. Um, What does that touch on? What do you do as part of that job? So um, my role is um, the management of staff. So I have staff management, but also, um, you know, providing that senior management position within the antenatal clinics and the antenatal day services across both South Tyneside and Sunderland hospital environments. Um, Supporting women, um, I'm there as a point of contact. I do run my own clinics as well, so I'm very, very clinical minded um, within the service. Brilliant. And Caroline, thank you so much for joining us. Would you like to share a little bit about your own background and your career and how you became involved with the charity? So I, um, I have been a primary school teacher and primary senko for about 25 years and I left teaching two years ago um, after I had my son Leo. I became involved with Down Syndrome North East having had Leo five years ago in 2016. And uh, first of all, I started taking part, we joined family activities and so on. And, and made quite a lot of friends and met other families with children with Down syndrome through the charity. And then um, about three years ago, I was asked to join the committee and become a trustee. And I'm now vice chair of the charity. Um, and that's been a, a, a really brilliant experience. Uh, and it's lovely to know that we're doing lots for families across the northeast. Brilliant. And can you tell us a little bit about the work of the charity? So we work with families from um, expectant families right up to um, adults with Down syndrome right throughout their lives. And we provide a whole range of services and support and activities. Our um, the main crux of what we do is around social activities. And so we, we really like to do things that involve getting families together together. 
So, for instance, this weekend, some of our adults have been doing an arts and dancing um, and musical theatre workshops um, called Blast, which which is great fun, and they all have an amazing time. We try to put on lots of events like parties, uh, bowling, theatre trips. Um, we've got a forest school session coming up. And for the little ones, we go and uh, hire out venues such as the Tim Lamb Centre in Newcastle. Uh, we go to sensory rooms. We, we just try to do a, a full range of activities that will be lovely things to do to get families together um, and also to help enable future friendships as much as anything. And it's lovely to see because a lot of our adults uh, members have been together and their families have known each other since they were little children. Um, and it's it's great to see everybody reunited after COVID as well. So that's the main work of our charity. And we also um, we also provide training for parents and carers. Um, so, for instance, we, we run Makaton courses. We provide training around wills and trusts. Um, lots of different things that parents and carers will need. And, um, and, and also we provide peer support for families. So our trustees... Uh, enable we enable each other to be put in contact with other families who have might have particularly when families have got um, either a newborn baby or expecting a baby with down syndrome so we we like to know that we're you know there as a point of contact to support people and I think you also are involved with another charity as well. Do you want to give that a bit of a shout out and yeah, absolutely. see what that does? Yeah, so Positive About Down Syndrome is a, a national charity and the main focus of uh, the work that I do with Positive About Down Syndrome is around training for NHS staff and providing NHS staff with um, resources to make sure that when uh, parents have either a high chance result or have a positive result for baby having down syndrome then they have sources that that of information that they can give straight to parents um, we have lots of facebook groups so we have facebook groups for mums midwives um, grandparents dads uh, and we, we try to make that the real kind of crux of the hub of what we're doing is that Facebook support group and peer support that we provide. Um, and, and we're branching out into lots of things like um, heart, uh, heart stories and heart buddies for parents whose babies might have um, heart, need heart surgery, breastfeeding support, all kinds of things around having a baby or a, a toddler with Down syndrome. So yeah, that's national charity and doing great work. And I, um, I'm the maternity coordinator for the North East, so I work with all of the North East hospitals. Brilliant. And how did you first become involved in Down syndrome North East? Um, and how did it help you through your early times? So I um, initially I met uh, our, the chair Sue at another group that I went to, and we joined up. Um, we we used to go from probably when Leo was quite little when he was a baby um, to family events, and it was lovely because our older son Lucas, who's eleven now, was about six at the time, and he made friends with other children who were siblings of other babies with Down syndrome. So it, it became a really nice little family kind of bond and you would get to see the same people at different events. So we would go to the you know the Christmas parties and and go go out and about to different family outings and off to like Water Valley and things like that. So it was it it's always been ever since Leo was born it's always been part of our lives really. And what were those early experiences like as a, a new parent of a baby with Down syndrome? And 
what kind of challenges and unknowns did you come up against that you could never have expected? I had an antenatal diagnosis, so I found out that Leo had Down syndrome when I was 14 weeks pregnant. Um, and it, was, it, it wasn't the most um, easy experience for us, I suppose, like a lot of parents, you know, it was a shock at the time. Um, we quite quickly uh, came to terms with his diagnosis and just then went on to enjoy the rest of the pregnancy although there's always that feeling in the background that you you know you worry that something might you know go amiss and he might have arrived early something like that um he he was born at 38 weeks and had quite a few difficulties adapting and so he was on oxygen for a while he was in neonatal um in our local hospital so we had quite a lot of uh challenges in terms of all of the professionals that suddenly are involved, you know, I I was completely oblivious to the fact that he was going to have physiotherapy and speech and language therapy involved with a, with us as a newborn baby, um, and of course neonatal and team and everything, um, and just as as time goes on, you then become quite uh, aware of how much you don't know. And you, you quite, you think at, at the beginning that you're going to um, just get on with things like you, you do, like I did with my other child. Um, and there were lots of real positives, you know, Leo breastfed really easily and he was a really happy and content baby. But at the same time, you suddenly become bombarded with things like disability living allowance and, oh, how do I fill this form in? And oh, you've got this support service that you can make contact with. And so part of the work of um, both Positive About Down Syndrome and Down Syndrome Northeast is to make sure that parents have some help with doing those things. And when those those unexpected come up, you're not on your own because I, I know from talking to a lot of other parents, that feeling that they feel like they're the only one is is quite traumatic for some people and what's been lovely about both the charities that I work with but particularly with Down Syndrome Northeast is I've been able to introduce people who live in you know two streets away um, which has happened here in Sunderland actually um, with a couple of families so it's it's really it's really lovely when you actually are able to uh, make that happen for people. I suppose one of the things that you might have come across is, is other people's reaction to, to Leo. Mm. Has that been a bit of a challenge as a moment? How have you taken that on? Because, and again, you've had the experience of being a, a mum before that. Has that been a, an added kind of stress to becoming a parent? Um, I don't think for me it has particularly because I've, I'm, I know I'm fairly resilient and also I'm quite good at telling people <laughs> what what I think um so if I do ever get the uh response from people like oh I'm so sorry you know I had a couple of people when I was pregnant telling me how sorry they were and I said to them there's nothing to be sorry about we're having a baby you know we were really excited and happy about that um and you know similar things have happened more recently when people have have made comments generally like uh around oh oh Oh, it's such a shame for them, uh, you know, like as if people with Down syndrome are all one kind of group who are all the same. And so, opportunities like that, I I actually take it as a as a real positive in that I can then go on to educate people and say, well, this is this is 
what my son's life is like. It's great. And, you know, out comes my phone and I scroll through the photos and show them him swimming and on his trike and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I understand, you know, for a lot of families, though, it, it is it is really challenging, can be really stressful, um, which is why we do what we do. Excellent. And Amanda, would you like to give us an insight into um, how parents might find out they're having a baby with Down syndrome and what conversations are held around that? Because Caroline's touched on, on her her experiences. Mm-hmm. Do you want to just give us a bit of an insight how, how how it works from your perspective? Yeah, so certainly all women in pregnancy are offered antenatal screening for Down syndrome, along with other chromosomal abnormalities as well. Um, the very important part of that screening test is the consent process so that women know what testing they're actually are signing up for. The results, as touched on by Caroline, um, don't come back as a definite diagnosis from that screening test. Women get either a low or a high risk result. The women that get a high risk result then have an opportunity to go on to have diagnostic testing if that is what they choose to have. Some ladies, you know, will say that they would like to be prepared so that if they know that they are going to have a baby that will have Down syndrome, they can mentally process that, start to access support groups in the antenatal period. Some ladies just don't want to know at that point and will just go on um, with their pregnancy knowing they've got a high risk result. On the flip side, however, you have those ladies that do have the testing and they get a low risk result, but that is no guarantee that they're not going to have a baby that has Down syndrome. So sometimes babies are born um, and are unknown at the point of delivery, um, whether they have Down syndrome or not. Um, So, you know, we do get those ladies through of all ages, um, young and, you know, um, women in their 30s, um, who have babies with Down syndrome and that's not a diagnosis until at birth or after. And what kind of, um, how are those tests done? What kind of tests are they? So the um, antenatal screening is a blood test. The ladies come into the antenatal day unit after having their scan and we do a very, very simple blood test uh, around 14 weeks of pregnancy. Um, and then that is sent off to the local labs and we get a result. High risk results um, come back really quite quickly between three and five working days. The low risk results are usually um, given to us between seven and ten days. And so those follow-up tests, what form do they take? The diagnostic tests, again, we've got a very um, specific blood test now called NIPT, which is um, you know very looking very much at uh, DNA markers in blood, um, and that can be done. Um, or some ladies um, decide to go down the route of amniocentesis or placental testing um, for a definite diagnosis. And is that a risky procedure? My my impression is from what I've heard and read previously is there, um, there's risks involved mm-hmm. in all tests, but mm-hmm. do do many women go for that? Do they have to weigh up the, the pros and cons of it? Yeah. Of the NIPT is a blood test, so there's no risk at all with the NIPT. Uh, with amniocentesis and placental sampling, there is a very, very small risk. In all of the years I've been a midwife, I have never known any of our amniocentesis result in miscarriage. So the, the risk is extremely low. But of course, women do have to weigh up that, those pros and cons. And if ladies have had miscarriages in the past, 
pregnancies are very, very precious. So they've got to, to weigh up, you know. And when you do get these test results back, what kind of conversations do you then have with families around the, the findings of those tests? Okay. So we have a screening team linked uh, to the antenatal day services here in Sunderland and South Tyneside. We've got a very, very um, experienced team that will have those conversations um, with the pregnant ladies. So the high risk result will be phoned across um, and emailed across from the reference lab. And uh, Jeanette Johnson, who is our screening lead here, would have a one-to-one conversation with those ladies to relay the results. Is that in person or on the phone? Because obviously with COVID and things, things have been done very differently. Yeah. Has that gone back to being face-to-face? The ladies are offered face-to-face, but the first contact is by telephone. But quite often, Jeanette will, you know, she will invite the ladies and their partners um, through to the hospital and we'll have the face-to-face conversation regarding ongoing testing um, and a plan for pregnancy. And what kind of support will be offered to them through the pregnancy and how does that progress following an arrival? Okay, so obviously clinical support. So um, ladies after a diagnosis of having a baby with Down syndrome will have um, increased surveillance during pregnancy, um, heart scans of baby. um, So they'll be linked with all of the clinicians which are going to give that ongoing care. Great support by community midwives, but we would signpost ladies to Down syndrome northeast and uh, positive about Down syndrome. We've got posters and leaflets that we give to ladies um, so that they can start to build those support groups and networks prior to delivery. And when a baby is delivered, what what are likely to be the additional challenges that families will find themselves uh, facing? Yeah, so every baby that is born with Down syndrome is different as in any baby um, and there's a whole spectrum of different hurdles that parents would maybe have to go through because all babies are totally different anyway different, yeah absolutely so some um, babies born with down syndrome need very little extra care whereas as touched on by caroline some need extra support with maintaining temperature extra assistance Uh, with latching and breastfeeding. Um, Some babies born with Down syndrome have heart conditions that will need more intensive care by the neonatologists and their team. And quite often we don't know um, what other medical conditions or medical problems babies are going to have until birth. Excellent. And part of the reason that this whole conversation came about was because, uh, thanks to the help of your charity, Caroline, um, you've created these boxes to give to families that come through our maternity services. Um, It's a relatively new thing for our hospitals and um, I think it's it's brilliant. They look fantastic. Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell us a little bit about where the idea came from, Caroline, and um, what they they feature? So uh, myself and uh, other members of Down Syndrome North East Committee had talked about how really maternity services um, were inconsistent across not just the North East but across the country in the support and the provision that parents get right from the point of um, a high chance result um, to uh, to a, um, a, an afterbirth diagnosis. And so because some parents are leaving hospital in some hospitals with no information at all, what we wanted to do was make 
the uh, the fact that baby was born with Down syndrome into a really positive thing for families, um, and to to show them that they're not on their own, to signpost them to lots of support services, and also to give them some gifts from us with love to celebrate their baby being born. Um, so in the boxes we have we've been lucky enough to have some terrific volunteers who've made some beautiful things like knitted and crocheted items um, we've I've been working in conjunction uh, with uh, a project Linus which is a charity which makes quilts and blankets uh, ladies who make the most beautiful handmade quilts and blankets and are often donated to um, neonatal uh, wards anyway and so they've given us some beautiful things to put in the boxes uh, we use uh, also resources from Positive About Down Syndrome. We include uh, a book, a lovely book from an organisation called Wouldn't Change a Thing, which has got pictures and stories about real families' lives. So the, the whole purpose of that and the PADS book is to really show that actually people with Down Syndrome and their families just get on with life and and to show lots of really positive and lovely pictures of families so we, we include that um we've got a lovely book from um one of our trustees eleanor who is an author and she's written a book called ava the mermaid which is um based on her daughter who also has down syndrome but it's a book about inclusion and it's a book about how um actually we're all different as amanda said all babies are different we're all different but we can all be included because in the end the the things that make us human are the same in all of us so that's a lovely book we put that in and then we put some little toys and little um treats for mums a little kind of bath bomb and things like that so that there's a little it's not all just for babies uh, but some beautiful knitted things and yeah, it's a really nice little gift box and I handwrite a card just to tell the families that they're not on their own. They've got a great support network out there when they're ready to join us and um, and that baby is going to bring them such a lot of joy and happiness and love in their lives. So we want it to be a really, really positive thing for families. Um, and so far, it that's how it seems to have been. Brilliant. And Amanda, how did this conversation come about between the two of you? How did that? How did the link work? Because it's it's led to us become the first in the region, mm-hmm. certainly not the last, to take these boxes. How did that all fall into place? Yes, yeah, so I've got close um, contact with the Maternity Voice Partnership here in Sunderland, and obviously that forum is really valuable for us to know how we can improve our service. You know, getting things straight from the horses, mouth, straight from mums themselves. And uh, Caroline was actually um, online with one of the meetings. So we made the link through um, through that meeting. And Caroline approached me and said, you know, would I be um, available to have another chat? And would we use the leaflets in the antenatal area? Of course, I was absolutely delighted because we're always looking at ways to um, educate women, offer support where needed. Um, and so this journey's begun, really. Brilliant. And uh, Caroline, what reaction have the boxes had so far? Because you've already given some out to families and we're just beginning that mm-hmm. here. What kind of feedback have you had from people who benefit from them so far? It's been entirely positive and it's been lovely because um, so far the vast majority of the boxes I've either given face-to-face when I've met families, which has been really nice um, at some of our events. Um, and some of them have gone in the post as well. 
uh, but I've had some lovely feedback, you know, messages and, and messages on social media and so on, saying um, that that families felt that it was uh, it was really great to have some comforting words in the card and some really good sources of information and positive um, a, a really positive gift to start them off on their journey with their baby. So yeah, we're, we're thrilled um, that that it's been uh, really well received and we're thrilled that we're getting them out into the hospitals now. So I'm really grateful to Sunderland Royal for starting that, that road for us. And when the maternity teams, Amanda, have had a look at them, what do they make? What's been their reaction to them? They're absolutely delighted with them. We can't really get to grips with the um the value of those items that are in there and the high quality of the the books are amazing um just the pictures the stories told by parents i think it's going to have a huge impact um and really help our um population the girls in the the neonatal unit obviously saw the, the boxes that we were uh, given out and have actually requested some because some babies don't get the diagnosis until they actually get to the neonatal unit. So they're going to take some boxes. I've got those to deliver today, thanks to Caroline. Yeah. And Caroline and Amanda, I you can both ask, what, what difference do you think these will make to families? Well, I think historically all we've had to give is a leaflet. Mm. We've had nothing extra to give to these ladies. Yes, you can give telephone numbers for support groups, and like Caroline touched on earlier, these parents go through a turmoil of different emotions, very much so feeling that quite alone that they are the only person, the only parent that's gone through this process. And I think just to have that box there is just going to be so powerful, so powerful. And Caroline, I guess you hope it helps families just like you who've been through experiences like you. Absolutely, because one of the things we don't want is people to have to turn to Google. Mm -hmm. Because if they do that, they see nothing but negativity. And um, for, for the charities that I'm involved with, most of us as parents find it quite upsetting the information or misinformation really that's actually out there on um on the internet and on social media and what we want is to for parents to have those sources of information that are really good quality sources of information from the gift boxes um and so that's i think that's the crux of it is making sure that parents know that they're not alone that there's a community out there there's lots of support um and that they get the right quality information and if there's somebody listening to this episode, where would you point them in the right direction to find out a little bit more to to give them the the, the set them off on the right path to get the right information? Um, obviously, from the point of view of the the charity that I work for, um, Positive About Down Syndrome has a fantastic support and fantastic um, resources available online, and so I would definitely say go in that direction. Um, the Down Syndrome Association um, also is a national charity that people can look to as well. And every part of the country has a local organisation, a local support group. So I would definitely advise people to look to their local organisations um, for, for support of all different kinds. And Amanda, I don't know whether you would just want to touch on what kind of reassurances your team will offer families who are going through this testing process and this, this unknown time. What reassurances that you have to there is somebody there for them here yeah. within our hospitals? Yeah, absolutely. 24-7 during pregnancy, um, women can get in touch with 
the midwives on delivery suite out of hours overnight. I'm always around Monday to Friday as antenatal services manager, as are the, the other midwives on the antenatal day units and clinics. Community midwife, again, a huge source of support um, for pregnant ladies. And then ongoing and after the episode of midwifery care, GP, health visitor, school nurse, and obviously um, Down syndrome, northeast and pads. That's great to know. Thank you so much both for joining us. Really grateful. Thank you very, Thank much. very much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of our People podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and check out our other stories. Hit subscribe to keep up with the latest and catch up with what we've been up to on our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram pages. Just search for our name.